0: Destinations Beyond Expectations is powered by Group Experience. Visit groupexperience.com to learn how to build your travel tribe. What's going on? I'm your host, Stevie G, and you are listening to DBE, the podcast designed for students of travel. You can catch the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can tune in by visiting groupexperience.com, the official home of the Destinations Beyond Expectations podcast. Do me a favor and if you're listening on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts, make sure to subscribe to the show. That really helps this podcast reach more students of travel. If you haven't checked out Destinations Beyond Expectations on Facebook yet, go ahead and like the show there. It's a great way to stay up to date and DBE is on Instagram too. You can find some fun travel blogs along with a button to join the DBE Patreon community by visiting dbetravel.com the official website of the podcast. For this week's episode, we're headed across the Atlantic Ocean to the country of France. Paris is such a popular destination for tourists from all over the world. That if you only have two days to spend in Paris while visiting, this episode is for you. My guest this week is Kat from the France Voyager blog. FranceVoyager.com has some great content that covers Paris and other great destinations around France And today we'll be talking through the ultimate two days in Paris itinerary from the France Voyager blog. And of course, a link to that post is included in today's show notes. The show notes also include more info on where to follow Kat on social media, as well as a link to a wonderful podcast she hosts called the Worldwide Honeymoon Travel Podcast. It is a great listen. I highly recommend you check it out. All right, let's dive in. Here's my interview with Kat to talk more about how you might want to spend two days exploring Paris. Kat, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: I'm very excited for this conversation. So as an American who lives in Cleveland, Ohio, can you walk us through how you initially became fascinated with France and why you continue to have such a special connection with the country even today?
1: Sure. Um, so, in January of twenty twelve I got on a plane my first time ever on a plane and wound up in paris, France um, and from there took a four hour train ride down to a place called Grenoble, France or Grenoble for our french listeners but um and I studied there for an entire semester, so about five months and Traveled all over Europe, but also spent quite a few um, weekends exploring different places throughout France and Really fell in love with it. Um, But if you look at my bio too on the page I have a whole story of how I sort of came full circle with France It started out as sort of that honeymoon phase where everything seems amazing. The food is great. It's so beautiful here and then eventually Things like the bureaucracy, trying to get a French checking account, all these frustrations. And like, I kind of came full circle with my love affair of France, so much so that since then, I have just constantly trying, I'm constantly planning trips to get back there and really enjoy traveling there as much as I possibly can. And that's why I started France Voyagers to help other people, um, especially English speakers, uh, visit France.
0: I love that. It's a cool story. And your ultimate two-day itinerary for Paris is a great resource for someone looking to visit the city of Paris. So what made you put that particular itinerary together?
1: Well, I've been to Paris many times and they're all very different um, trips. Some of them are four or five days. Sometimes they are only two days. And I just figured that if you were only going to spend two days in Paris, you know whether you have a giant Europe trip planned or you're seeing more of France, but you just want to spend a couple days in Paris. What were the best things you could do as a first timer? So that's what kind of inspired me to write that article. My very first trip to Paris was a whirlwind weekend of museums and sites and monuments, so much so that I was so burnt out of Paris that I didn't get how people loved it. So I didn't want People to make that same mistake so that's why I wrote a more laid-back itinerary that includes some of the best museums that you're gonna want to check out places to eat as well as just some great places to go to relax as well so you're not constantly go go going to every single museum and letting it all blur together you actually get to enjoy your time in Paris in two days
0: cool so Kat let's go ahead and and dive into your two-day itinerary more closely and let's start with day number one, which covers tourist sites and typical French fare. Day one. You mm-hmm. recommend kicking things off in a big way by visiting the iconic Eiffel Tower early on your first day. Talk about why visiting the Eiffel Tower first thing in the morning can be beneficial. And for anyone out there listening who hasn't been to the Eiffel Tower, can you describe what it's actually like to go up into the, like, the Eiffel Tower?
1: Well, fun fact, I've been to Paris many times and I've never been up the Eiffel Tower um, because I firmly believe that the best views of Paris include the Eiffel Tower in it. So I like going to places that you can see the Eiffel Tower, like see the whole of Paris and also see the Eiffel Tower in that. So I've actually never been up there. Um, I personally think it's like a little bit overpriced and you, I think there are better views of the city of Paris, again, with the Eiffel Tower. Um, such as the Arc de Triomphe, Montparnasse Tower, or even some rooftop bars. But the reason why you should go to per- or go to the Eiffel Tower earlier in the morning is because you're going to beat the crowds. Uh, you get to explore all the da- different beautiful places to take photos of the Eiffel Tower, um, and also the big gardens in front of the Eiffel Tower are practically empty if you're there earlier in the day. Um, so I actually did this early last. September and really enjoyed my experience doing that versus going later in the day when you have hordes of people everywhere. So the main reason we, you want to start that is, yeah, avoid the crowds, but also um, you're in Paris and the Eiffel Tower is sort of iconic to see while you're in Paris. So why not kick off your itinerary seeing the most iconic thing in Paris?
0: <laughs> so after experiencing the Eiffel Tower, next on your itinerary is breakfast at Le Domego. But before yeah. we go there, I want to ask you about the commute from the Eiffel Tower to this legendary restaurant. Your blog points out that you can take the metro or you can walk. Can you really quickly touch on how walkable Paris is and what sites uh, you'll see between the Eiffel Tower and Le Domago?
1: I would say Paris is a very walkable city but it does depend on how much you like to walk. So my husband and I love going for walks all the time. We go for hikes. So for us, if we're like, oh, it's a 45 minute walk across the city, we'll do that. So it's about a 45 minute walk, I believe, from the Eiffel Tower to uh, the St. Germain area where Le Domingo is. And that's a lot of fun to walk um, just because you can walk along the Seine and see all the little shops along the Seine. There's just all these little pockets and cute streets that you'll find. see lots of beautiful bridges along the Seine. It's just a really cool route to walk. um, And you just kind of get to see people, especially since you'll be there in the morning, kind of see Paris waking up and like getting started. And you'll see the sidewalk cafes and all of that as you head towards the Saint-Germain area. So that's why I recommend walking. Um, Paris is definitely walkable if you go to certain neighborhoods and stuff. But if you don't, like I wouldn't recommend going from like the bottom to the top of Paris via walking, like you're going to probably want to take the metro um, up to those places. But for the most part, I would say it's pretty walkable if you don't mind walking. So wear comfortable shoes.
0: (laughs) So after a commute either by metro or scenic walk, uh, we arrive at Les Domingos. Tell us a little bit about what we can expect here for breakfast.
1: So breakfast, I mean, it's pretty standard breakfast stuff that you can get. I usually like to get there um, like baguette with different jams and butter. But the main star of the show here is the ancient hot chocolate that Paris is, is very well known for its hot chocolate. There's lots of different places to get it. And there's all sorts of people that claim that certain places have the best hot chocolate. I think that after trying quite a few, that Le Domego is my favorite hot chocolate place in Paris. It is just like a melted candy bar. It's so creamy and delicious and just just melts in your mouth and oh, it's so good. And you get a giant pot of it. So it's very perfect for splitting. Um, you can also get some coffee with it. They've got some really good coffee, but I highly recommend go to Le Domego and have the best hot chocolate in Paris. I think it's better than Angelina's. <laughs>
0: So Kat, I read that the Musée de la l'Orangerie is your favorite museum in Paris. I probably messed up that pronunciation a little bit. Uh, but that's the next stop on the itinerary. Can you talk about this museum and, and what makes it so special?
1: Yeah, so the Musée de l'Orangerie, it's really hard to pronounce, I guess, as Americans here. But um, I absolutely love it. It's my favorite museum. And the biggest thing to see there is going to be the Monet Water Lilies. And there are two rooms dedicated to this that Monet actually helped um, design while he was doing that so that they could be displayed in the most perfect way. And you don't realize how gigantic these oil paintings are. So you walk into one room and you've got the water lilies on each of the circular walls. And so there's four big gigantic mural paintings in each room, and they have like different times of day, sometimes different seasons, and it's absolutely stunning. So it's a really cool museum to check out the water lilies, especially if you love Monet. Um, another cool thing about it is some of the art there is from uh, Paul Guim which it was a big art, um, like art collector in the time, and he was friends with quite a few of the artists and stuff. And he always wanted to start sort of a, a modern art museum at the time, um, way back when. So if you don't really want to go to the Louvre or, or the uh, Dorsay Museum, uh, but you really love the Impressionists and Post-Impressionist painters, which are my favorite kind of French paintings and what I think most people think of when they think of French artists, um, you're going to see a lot of that in this museum. So the Musée du l'Orangerie, um, where you're going to see Picasso, Cézanne, Matisse, Modigliani, Renoir, different paintings like that. And it's much smaller. So it's not this gigantic, overwhelming museum where everything's going to blend together. You can probably spend about an hour to an hour and a half and really enjoy and see everything. Um, and there's usually always a special exhibit whenever you can go to. I think I went to one one time there was a photography exhibit um, but you definitely have the Monet water lilies there every time, as well as the um, a lot of the Impressionist, post-Impressionist painters.
0: So after taking in all the Musée de l'Orangerie has to offer, my goodness, yeah. that's a tongue twister, uh, we it make is. our <laughs> way back to the St. Germain neighborhood for some lunch at Relais de l'Entrecote. Uh, describe what a lunch looks like at Relais de l'Entrecote.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple locations throughout the city, but the one in Saint Germain is going to be the easiest to get to from here. Um, just to keep you on your itinerary, this is a steak frites place, and I mean that like that is what they have. You sit down at a table, a a server will come up to you and ask you if you would like your steak rare or medium rare. That is your only option, um, and then once you tell them that, they will give you a nice little salad. Um, to start with and then you get your steak and your fries and there is this delicious green sauce that it is just smothered in and it's so good. And you finish that and they just put more on your plate and it's just a whole thing. But um, you know, France is very famous for its steak frites. So it's really, really fun to get to go to a restaurant where like that is what they serve. Like that is their bread and butter, so to speak, is steak frites and you will see tons of people um, going there to try that out.
0: Very cool. So next on your itinerary is another iconic stop. It's a visit to France's most famous and well-known museum, the Louvre. One thing you Mm -hmm. mentioned in your blog is that it's important to buy tickets in advance. Can you share tips on how to purchase your ticket beforehand? And what is it like to actually go ahead and visit the Louvre?
1: Yeah, I highly recommend purchasing your tickets on Get Your Guide. You can just Type in getyourguide.com and do like the Louvre or Paris and it'll be one of the first things that pops up and you can buy a timed entry ticket so it'll tell you what time you can go and you get use a whole separate entrance so you don't get to go in through the pyramid but that line is pure chaos and is crowded. And you don't really want to wait that long in line when you only have two days in Paris. You know, you don't want to waste that time. So buying that ticket ahead of time is really going to help. Um, And then you can just go into the museum and get straight in there and start looking around.
0: After experiencing the Louvre and maybe exploring more of Paris by foot for dinner, you recommend grabbing some hearty French food at Bouillon Pigalle. How do you get to Bouillon Pigalle and what kind of authentic French food can you find there?
1: So if you're going from the Louvre or even Luxembourg Gardens or somewhere near there um I would just take the metro because it's closer to it's closer to Montmartre you can walk it if you want to but it is a little bit further um and Bouillon Pigalle is just yeah it's very typical french food it's pretty cheap too you can get some good wine um you can get boeuf bourguignon so beef bourguignon Um, French onion soup, lots of cheeses, roast chicken, just like simple, hearty um, French food, which is a great way to kind of end your day. And it's very inexpensive and just absolutely delicious French fare. So
0: (laughs) what could be better? Absolutely. Now that about does it for day number one. So let's fast forward to day two. Day two. Before we get into the specifics, day one seemed to cover a lot of like the well-known sites for tourists. Uh, But Kat, what can we expect on day two of your itinerary?
1: So day two, you're going to get started with um, grabbing a croissant at Maison d'Isabelle, which they won the first place in 2018 for the best croissant in the city. And it's still, it's one of my favorite places to go. It's in the, like near the St. Germain area. And I just happened upon it one morning. Um, Just, I could smell it from a couple of blocks away from my hotel. And I just was walking down the street and was like, I got to go here. And there was a line. And then I saw the sign about them winning. And oh my goodness, it smells amazing. And the croissants are just buttery and flaky and they melt in your mouth. And it's just amazing. So highly recommend getting a croissant at uh, Maison d'Isabel while you're there.
0: So the croissant is just a warm up though, because next you have a food tour of Le Marais, which is an area in Paris that is well known amongst foodies. Tell us more about the amazing food you'll taste along this three to four hour tour.
1: Yeah, so Le Marais is a very unique area. It's great for like vintage shopping. Um, it's known as being like the Jewish quarters. There's lots of like Jewish restaurants there. Um, it's also known for its LGBTQ plus um, like known for that area. And the food tour there is just fantastic just because you have so many mixes of cultures and things just in that area. So some really cool things to try during this food tour is you'll likely end up at a market called uh, Marché Les Enfants Rouges, which has all these amazing food stands, fresh produce, different things like that. Um, You might try some cheeses there. So you gotta try some French cheese, have some wine. Um, you'll have some baguette and, and more croissants, and there's just lots of little stops on the tour. I don't want to give it all away because you'll want to take the tour for it, um, but they'll, you'll see all sorts of cute little, you'll go to a bistro, you'll go to a market, um, you'll go to a chocolatier potentially. Um, so sometimes they change the stops, um, and then you usually end probably closer to, um, I know we had falafel at the end of our tour, uh, closer to more of the Jewish section where there was a ton of like different like Jewish bakeries and, and um, restaurants right there. Yeah.
0: So after that awesome food tour, visitors can check out another cool neighborhood called Montmartre. Here you'll find unique sites like sacre Corps, Love Wall, Montmartre Museum, and more. Uh, describe in a little more detail what Montmartre, the Montmartre neighborhood is like. And can you touch on a few of the places within Montmartre that visitors can explore?
1: Yeah. So Montmartre is, it's really cool. It's a hilly part neighborhood of Paris. So you get some really cool views from Montmartre. And it was also known as sort of being this bohemian artsy district way back when. So Um, known for a lot of artists. There's some artist houses that are there, like the um, Museum of the Romantic Life was an artist's home. There were people that lived at the Montmartre Museum before it became the Montmartre Museum, uh, stuff like that. So it's very well known for that. It's also known for Moulin Rouge. So if you've ever seen the movie, there's the actual Moulin Rouge is there with the red windmill, which is very underwhelming when you see it. But um, it is there to check out. But it's a really cool neighborhood just steeped in history, one of the most beautiful streets is there, the Rue de la Beauvoir, I think is what it's called. But um, just a very gorgeous, fun neighborhood to check out. And you can certainly spend a lot of time there. But um, if you want to work off that food tour, you can certainly walk toward it, <laughs> I suppose. It's a very hilly neighborhood, so you might work up a sweat doing that. Or you can just take the metro um, and walk up the steps if you want to. But you can definitely start at the sacre Corps. There you're going to get a fantastic view of... Paris from the steps of that. Um, And from there, you keep walking around. There's all kinds of cute cafes and art shops. And um, you can happen upon the uh, Montmartre Museum, which has a lot of history about the neighborhood and the people that lived in that museum and um, different art and stuff like that. Um, It even talks about the cabaret period. And then um, the vineyard, the Montmartre vineyard is right next door to that. So the big vineyard photos you can sometimes see in Paris. And then one of my favorite things to see in Montmartre is the love wall. So um, it has, I love you written in hundreds of different languages, um, including indigenous languages, all sorts. I mean, just, so many different times. And it's really fun to pick it on you know, your native language to find where it says I love you and take a photo. And it's actually a very popular spot for couples to get engaged or, you know, it's just a really sweet spot where you see a lot of people like either you know take a selfie and get a kiss or something like that. And it's such a cute, beautiful wall uh, to just sit and hang out at.
0: <laughs> so definitely tons to do around Montmartre. Uh, but before the two-day adventure comes to a close, your itinerary mentions grabbing dinner at a tiny yet lovely restaurant called La Jacobine. What are the food and atmosphere like at La Jacobine?
1: This is such a cute place. Um, well, first of all, it's kind of tucked away in a small little alley um, in the Odeon area, so closer to Saint Germain again. So, you're working your way back and from Montmartre and. It's a tiny little restaurant, so if you do go, definitely make reservations. And you get put in there and they have the best French onion soup I've ever had in my life. I also um, got the roasted duck there, or not duck, sorry, roasted chicken while I was there. Um, I had a friend of mine have the duck confit that looked amazing. Just everything there was so good. We even got dessert while we were there. Just, it was just their dessert of the day. And again, just another fantastic place to split a bottle of wine and have a very classically French meal uh, with friends or loved ones or anyone you choose to go with. But it's such a cute, authentic feeling French restaurant where it's pretty tiny. It opens later. And yeah, it's just it's it's definitely busy because lots of people like to go there. It's very delicious um, and it's very small, but it's just so cozy and and delightful. So a great place to wrap up your, your, your Paris itinerary.
0: Yeah, and there's one more thing if someone has a time and energy after dinner that they could do um, is they could make their way back to the Eiffel Tower for one last view of the iconic structure. And I hear there's actually a light show that goes on at the tower. Can you quickly talk about that?
1: Yeah, so basically from dusk until I off the top of my head, I can't remember if it's midnight or 1am or something like that. I think it's like the first five minutes of the hour. It will actually so it'll be lit basically from dusk until like 1 a.m. or something, but it'll have its light show where it sparkles and it's all glittery and fun. And it's, it's really fun to go and check out, um, especially I know my last night in Paris and in France when I studied abroad, that was the last thing I saw. And I just really left France really. I was like, oh, I get it. I get why Paris is so romantic and lovely after seeing that.
0: Absolutely, a great way to end the trip. And of course, there's so much more to do in Paris. And if someone out there listening wants even more travel info for Paris, they can visit your website, francevoyager.com. You have, you know, even more itineraries for someone looking to visit Paris. And your blog goes outside of Paris as well to cover other destinations in France. Tell us more about your blog and what someone can find if they visit francevoyager.com.
1: Yeah, so... I wanted to talk about France as a whole, not just Paris. I do have a lot of Paris content on that blog, but France is such a diverse country with just landscapes I mean you've got beaches to the north and to the south, and you've got the mountains and and um, beautiful tiny towns and and exciting cities and lots of great art and food and all this stuff that I wanted to talk all about France and inspire people to kind of get outside of Paris to check out other lovely places around the country. So if you want to go check that out, you can do that at francevoyager.com.
0: Very cool. And where can listeners stay connected with the France Voyager blog on social media?
1: Um, I am on Twitter and Instagram at France Voyager. So you can check that
0: out. Cool. And, you know, listeners need to know that in addition to your blogging, you actually host a podcast the Worldwide Honeymoon Travel Podcast with your husband, Chris. Tell us more about your podcast and where we can go to listen and subscribe.
1: Yeah, I. you can find Worldwide Honeymoon, the Worldwide Honeymoon Travel Podcast, anywhere um, you can get podcasts. Um, we've been doing it since 2019. Uh, it's about couples travel, destinations, tips, all sorts of things um, that my husband and I do.
0: Awesome. Kat, I do have one more question for you today before we call the... Uh, episode over. I I do want to ask, you know, Destinations Beyond Expectations is the podcast designed for students of travel. So I want to ask you, are you someone who considers yourself to be a student of travel? And if so, what can you share? Like, what have you learned through travel? Can you give us maybe a lesson that you've learned through travel or while traveling?
1: Oh, gosh. Yes, I'm definitely a student of travel. I've traveled to so many places at this point and I still learn something or or I'm constantly humbled by something. I whether it's uh, just the beauty of a place or I have made some sort of travel mistake <laughs> and I need to learn from it. Yeah. um, I mean, I feel like I've learned I've learned a lot about the world for sure and cultures and coming from a I'm from a tiny town in Kentucky, (laughs) that's where I grew up. So traveling has definitely broadened my horizons, starting from when I studied abroad through all of the trips that I've taken since then. Um, It's been great to, to have my eyes opened of different cuisines and cultures and languages and things like that. But it's also been a big internal journey as well. I have gained so much more confidence having traveled, especially when I was doing my solo backpacking Europe, you know, trip back in like 2013. Um, to even planning trips for my husband and I in random places around the world. The confidence that travel can give you um, just over time is is really exciting too.
0: I love that answer. Kat, thank you so much for joining me today. I thought this was a really great episode and I appreciate you sharing um, all of your knowledge about Paris. Um, Listeners, don't forget to check out francevoyager.com. Kat, thank you again so much for joining me. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much.
0: A big DBE thank you to Kat for coming on the show. Don't forget to visit francevoyager.com and of course follow Kat on Instagram. Destinations Beyond Expectations is also a great follow on social media. Give the show a follow on Facebook and Instagram and be sure to explore the official website, dbetravel.com. No matter if you're listening on groupexperience.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or some other audio source, thank you so much for tuning in. We all have at least one friend who loves to travel, right? Why not suggest the DBE podcast to them? There's always space in the classroom for more students of travel. Each Thursday, I'm part of a live stream called Destination Dispatch. You can tune in by following a Facebook page Called group travel odyssey it's a really fun show where i sit down with some friends in the travel industry and talk to destination specialists to learn all about how groups can experience a destination and again you can catch the show live every thursday at 2 p.m eastern by visiting group travel odyssey's facebook page or you can subscribe to group travel odyssey on youtube well that is all i've got for this week's show thank you so much for tuning in have a fabulous day and i will talk to you soon